Welcome to Med Practice Made Perfect, brought to you by Practice First Medical Management Solutions. My name is Tom Mahar, and I'll be your host. So today our topic is going to be uh, the various changes that have occurred since the end of the public health emergency. So as everyone recalls, uh, CMS put together all sorts of guidelines at the beginning of the pandemic, towards the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, instituting many changes uh, as far as coding, billing, and credentialing goes. The rule of thumb to, to bear in mind is that anything that you that you changed towards the beginning of the pandemic from a billing, coding, credentialing standpoint, you really should take a look at to make sure that it is still valid. So today, I, I wanted to run through kind of on a summary, and there, there's quite a bit of detail as well. By no means is this an all-inclusive list of everything that you need to be made aware of, but um, I tried to pick out the um, most important points under uh, you know, each area. So regarding testing for COVID, people with traditional Medicare can continue to receive COVID-19 PCR and antigen tests with no cost sharing when the test is ordered by a physician or in certain other healthcare providers and performed by a laboratory. Uh, a little bit different for private insurance coverages. You really should check with your local carriers to see if there may be cost sharing, uh, prior authorization or other forms of medical management that may be required. Um, states. Uh, are required, uh, you know, for Medicaid and CHIP coverage uh, to provide, uh, you know, these services without cost sharing for vaccines, testing, and treatments through September 30th, 2024. So regarding vaccinations, uh, there's no out-of-pocket costs after the end of the PHE for vaccinations for Medicare patients, and CMS will continue to pay approximately $40 per dose for administering those vaccines. Um, by 1-1-24, that rate should drop to their customary rate for vaccines, which will be in the neighborhood of uh, $30. Most forms of private health insurance, including ACA plans, will continue to cover the vaccine without cost share uh, for the time being. So regarding treatments, uh, Medicare will continue to cover treatments for patients with COVID-19 once the public health emergency ends. And the end date of the, of the PHE uh, was designated as May 11th, 2023. So effective uh, 1124 for drugs and biologicals with respect to COVID, CMS will pay for the treatment or for the drugs uh, and biologics for COVID-19 as they would for other complex biological products. So we're getting, we're getting into a period where things will start to normalize more so in 2024. The other big area where there were many changes made um, once, once the pandemic started was, of course, the telehealth area. So, um, you know, I'll hit a few highlights, uh, you know, as it relates to telehealth. So, you know, Medicare patients can continue to see providers virtually using telehealth through December 31st, 24. So we, at this point, we've got another year and a half worth of that. Um, 
that they've committed to. You know, as far as uh, uh, there's there's no geographic area restrictions in the United States, including from their home. So Medicare patients can can access from their home as they were before. Uh, one of the things to bear in mind is that place of service O2 is used for telehealth services. Um, this site of service designation will allow the provider to receive the complete allowance for payment instead of being allowed at the lower facility rate. Um, that waiver continues through 1231-24. So there's uh, a certain number of telehealth visits, actually there's quite a few of them, um, where uh, CMS is going to continue to allow a telephone-only visit rather than it having to be telephone and video. Um, you know, some of the things that are covered, um, you know, under the telephone only are, uh, you know, psychiatric evals, uh, behavioral type stuff, smoking cessation, speech therapy. Um, there's really a whole host of those things. You can go to Medicare's website, CMS's website, and get a full list of those telehealth services that could be provided by phone. So, um, you know, as far as your local carriers go, um, you know, those rules are all over the place. And I would suggest for sure that you go to your local carrier and make sure that um, you've, uh, you follow whatever their protocols are. So the other thing to keep in mind regarding the telehealth is there's so many aspects to this form of care that make sure that you tech check related to your your specialty to to check for changes that are happening for 2024 and 25 so you know there's all sorts of uh, uh you know all sorts of, of different rules and so forth for you know inpatient consults and you know the list really goes on and on so uh the next thing that I I wanted to touch on here is you know, credentialing matters, you know, related to Medicare enrollment. So throughout the pandemic, um, CMS, you know, you know, really expedited, um, you know, any pending and new Medicare enrollment applications from physicians or other healthcare providers and suppliers. Um, you know, since the pandemic has ended, they are going to revert back to their normal processing times. Um, I, I think the normal processing times, if I remember, were somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 90 days uh, for enrollment applications. Um, you know, our local Medicare carrier here, NGS, um, effective June 12th of 23, uh, disconnected their uh, PHE hotlines and uh, all the provider enrollment and revalidation flexibilities came to a screeching halt. So. Um, something to keep in mind, we're going to have to allow a little bit more time for your applications for uh, new providers. Um, as far as uh, physician licensure and practice location flexibility, um, CMS waived Medicare's requirement that a physician be licensed in the state in which the physician was practicing if certain requirements were met allowing licensed physicians to bill Medicare for services provided in one or more states beyond their state of enrollment. Um, you know, one thing to bear in mind, though, is this waiver did not waive state or local government licensure.
licensure requirement. So, um, you know, CMS is going to continue to defer to state law in this regard. So, um, you know, before, if the state allowed it, I mean, you didn't have to have a license there to practice, basically. So, um, you know, something to bear in mind. Uh, you know, on a related note, CMS per, uh, permitted physicians and other practitioners to provide telehealth services from their own homes without reporting their home addresses in their Medicare enrollments. So accordingly, you know, providers could continue to bill from their low location despite actually providing services from home. You know, since the PHE is ended, physicians and other providers must report their home address on their Medicaid enrollment forms if that location is where they're going to continue to provide those services up from. So um, that's a little subtle change that, you know, could be, you know, could be problematic for you if you don't have your credential. So the next thing uh, I want to talk about is, uh, you know, related, uh, you know, workforce related issues. So you know, these things have to do with supervision and some of those rules were relaxed during during uh, the pandemic. So effective uh, uh, next calendar year, January 1st, 24, the regulatory definition of direct supervision returns to the pre-pandemic rules requiring that the uh, supervising physician or practitioner must be immediately available to furnish assistance and direction. The virtual presence of the supervising or practitioner will no longer be permitted. So that's a, that's a pretty important change. Uh, secondly, the general level of supervision for non-surgical extended duration therapeutic services enabled through the, through the pandemic has been made a permanent policy. The prior incident to physician service rules will be reinstated one more. Um, the beneficiary informed consent to receive services furnished by auxiliary personnel will also return to the pre-pandemic rules on one one twenty four. Uh, you know, another another factor here is uh, NPs, clinical nurse specialists, certified midwives, PAs, CRNAs are permanently allowed to supervise diagnostic tests is authorized under state law and licensure. Uh, these providers are required to continue the statutory relationships with supervising or collaborating physicians. Um, you know, there are a number of changes in this area. And you know, the things that I've talked about here are just are just the top level changes. So um, you know a few other things here uh, administratively uh, you know, the blanket waivers applied to certain provisions of the Stark Law uh, that were, uh, you know, those things are now terminated at the end of public health emergency, 511.23. So, you know, physicians and entities, you know, must comply with all provisions of the Stark Law once again. So that's very important. Uh, there are uh, clinical restrictions in NCDs and LCDs on respiratory related devices home infusion pumps, and home anticoagulation therapy. This also returns to the pre-PHE enforcement. 
The signature and proof of delivery requirements have been reinstated for Part B drugs and BME. Uh, this is an interesting little point here on MIPS. Individual MIPS eligible clinicians who do not submit any MIPS data by the deadline of March 31st, 2022, will have all four MIPS performance categories reweighted to 0% and receive a neutral payment adjustment in the 2023 payment year. So please keep that in mind. Um, this automatic policy doesn't apply to groups. Uh, virtual groups or, you know, advanced payment model. So, um, you know, something that you need to keep in mind. You know, there's a few other, other waivers here that, uh, you know, I'll kind of wrap up and discuss. Um, you know, the waiver of the Medicare three-day qualifying hospital stay requirement prior to a Medicare covered SNF stay will no longer be in effect for the Medicare fee-for-service program since the pandemic ended. Uh, secondly, CMS is exercising enforcement discretion to allow teaching physicians at all teaching settings to be present virtually through audio, video, real-time communication technology for purposes of billing under the PFS services for services they furnish involving resident physicians through December 31st, 2023. So you see, like in some of these cases where they're still allowing a little bit of leniency um, for at least a short time for people to kind of, uh, you know, ease their way, you know, back to the way things were, if you will. So regarding the Medicare physician supervision requirements, um, CMS has temporarily modified the regulatory definition of direct supervision which requires the supervising physician or practitioner to be immediately available. Okay, we, we did run through that. Um, and that's, uh, that's good through December 31st, 23. Uh, the last item uh, I'll touch on here is the locum tenens rule. So the locum tenens rules were designed initially as a way for, uh, you know, a, uh, to bill under a provider who may be on an extended vacation, disability, et cetera, to have another physician come in from, you know, from, you know, from the outside and use that provider's number to bill under. So, um, you know, there were changes to this during the pandemic and, you know, I'll kind of run through here, um, you know, what, what they're looking at now. So, you know, CMS has modified the 60-day limit, uh, you know, to allow a physician or physical therapist, for that matter, to use the same substitute, substitute physician or PT, for the entire time he or she is unavailable to provide services during the COVID-19 emergency, plus an additional period of no more than 60 continuous days after the PHE expires. Okay, so that takes you through July, uh, yeah, June, July 12th of 23. So on the 61st day, so the 13th, after the public health emergency ends, the regular physician or PT must use a different substitute or return to work in his, his or her practice for at least one day in order to reset the 60-day clock. 
So, you know, the modified timetable here applies to both types of substitute billing agreements under Medicare fee-for-service. Uh, you know, the, for example, you know, reciprocal billing arrangements and fee-for-time compensation arrangements, formal So, you know, again, these are, you know, uh, some of the details and a little bit of a higher level view. I would encourage you to definitely speak with your local carriers, uh, stay on top of what CMS is providing, um, along with uh, Medicaid as well. So they're all valuable resources for any very specific question that you have. Uh, you know, as always, if you have any uh, specific questions uh, you know, regarding this podcast, uh, you know, you can reach me at Tom at crackfirst.com. Uh, and I can be reached at 716-861-1199. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening to Med Practice Made Perfect. 